0: My guest on this week's episode of Sudden Search is Lydia Infante, Senior SEO Manager at Sanity.io. Lydia is an in demand conference presenter. You might have heard her speak at the Women in Tech SEO Festival, MozCon, Brighton SEO, and Ungad. She's a judge at numerous industry awards, including the European Search Awards. She's a frequent guest on podcasts and webinars. I caught up with Lydia at an interesting and exciting time. She started a new job with Sanity in June. She spoke at MozCon, arguably the biggest conference in the US in July, and she's getting married in September. I'm going to start our conversation talking about her crazy summer of 2022. We'll also talk about her MozCon presentation, which was about how to perform gap analysis for SEO. She has two super actionable spreadsheets that anyone can use to do competitor identification and gap analysis. Links to both are in the show notes. I'm also going to ask her about Sanity, which is a headless CMS that has become increasingly popular with developers. What is a headless CMS? How is a headless CMS different from a traditional CMS? What makes Sanity the preferred headless CMS for SEO? I'm going to ask Lydia these questions and more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Lydia Infante. We'll talk about her academic background in business and psychology, we'll spend a little time talking about structured content and structured data, and Lydia will share the delightful story of how she ended up working at Sanity.io. Lydia, welcome to Search. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right. How are you doing, Mark? Lovely to meet you.
0: Likewise. It's great to meet you. Um, What I gather is that I'm meeting you at an interesting time. You just spoke at MozCon earlier this month. Mm Mm-hmm. According to our pre-show questionnaire, you're getting married this fall, so there's a lot of planning in your life, and you recently started a new position at sanity.io. This is all very exciting. Yes. Tell us about your crazy summer and how you're settling in at your new job.
1: Wow. Yeah, I had forgotten that I'm getting married in, like, a month. <laughs> there's so much stuff going on. Um, I am engaged, and I have, like, this big diamond on my finger. And um, right. I was working at BigCommerce uh, until June, but um, while well, working at BigCommerce, because we we work with uh, Headless CMS, and and there was a lot of talk about like where to move to, how to improve our content velocity, so on. I ended up running into Sanity, and I fell in love with the product. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, there's a specific thing that they do with internationalization that just would have solved all of my problems ever. When I was in big commerce, um, and the next day they had a position open, and I was, I was mind, have a conversation. I generally thought I was not gonna get a job, because, um, yeah, really senior people were applying, like really amazing SEOs that I had admired for a really long time were applying, and I was like, well, I'm here, right? Like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try it out. Then got the job, and it, it's, it's amazing. Um, it doesn't hurt to join Sanity and then go on to speak at Moscon, right? No. It's kind of like oh, that's nice. That's good for my manager. I can be like, no, yeah, I I pulled it off in like a week.
0: <laughs> not
1: not like it was planned for months or anything. I love it. Um, yeah, but it, that was like it's been it's been a really really good journey. I am really having a really good time. I did not understand what our product was about for the longest time. Um, so I had to like do a lot of user research and keyword research and write content about stuff that I knew nothing about um, and become knowledgeable in those aspects. Um, also the development team that we have is dreamy. They are amazing. I'm, I'm used to needing to wait months for a change or implementation. And when I tell you, I needed an open graph tag changed across a template and they had it done in seven minutes from oh me posting it on Slack.
0: That's, that's amazing. Wow. Well, listen, the thing that it sounded like you were really interested because you were interested in a headless CMS. So I wanted to kind of just better understand for our audience sake, especially the difference between a headless CMS and a traditional CMS. Like, you know, what's the difference and why were you so enamored or why were you interested in your previous gig in a headless CMS? What are they, what does that have to offer?
1: So we did have a headless CMS, but it was not implemented in a way that was going to allow us to grow. So that is, that is a very common pinpoint when you're moving to headless. Headless is not going to solve everything for you. You need to have a really clever setup um, before you can go and actually grow and scale with it. So. What what really drove me was that we had a wealth of content um on the dot com for big commerce, right? And I was in charge of internationalization. So the strategy that that some of the content we were going about was like, let's just make new content that's relevant for the French market and for the Italian market. Um but that's not the fastest way to go about it because we had three bottlenecks, right? We've got legal approval that needs to happen and uh, we've got content that needs to be created. And then we had a publishing team that took like almost an entire workday of one person to publish an article. And this is what I mean when I say that a headless CMS implementation can go wrong. Um, that mm-hmm. should never be the case. Um, so I said like, let's let's just cre- like use the wealth of content that we have because we know that users love it. We know the users are converting. Um we've done some keyword research in the local languages and we know there's volume so there's demand for this content. So let's just first of all, let's just do a really good translation of this. Right? It's already been re- written by a subject matter expert. Um they were quite universal so they didn't have a lot of like localization to be done to these pieces of content. Um and if we could do that at scale, we could then look at the performance of each of the pieces. And decide which ones needed further high quality localization or specific statistics to support some of our talking points. And that should have been essentially a couple of clicks, right? Um, and with Sanity, would have been a couple of clicks. Um, we were integrating with, what is the name? SmartLink. We were interla- uh-huh. integrating with a translation management system called SmartLink, uh-huh. but we were not integrating correctly. So um, we had a bunch of technical problems that were coming off the back of it. Um, the way that our hreflang was being handled, Smartling was returning untranslated URLs into our hreflang implementation while our GDN was deploying it to a different translated URL. Um, so it was, yeah, it was it was an absolute mess when it should have been a really quick win. Um, and there's been obviously a lot of improvement in that area, and we've worked together with the team. And when I brought it up, it, this was thinking really seriously. We were, we all pushed together. But that's when I knew that sanity existed. And I was like, yeah, and I'm just going to make that move. Um, and that is like the, the benefit of the main benefit of having the CMSs. I think it's like scalability and flexibility, but the main con is responsibility. You need to be strategic and plan. It's not. It's not gonna be done for you. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, let that's... me let me put it this way. With with WordPress, uh-huh. you can not fuck it up, and you need to like really try. Uh-huh.
0: But you yeah, can't that's... succeed
1: massively. Uh-huh. With Headless, you don't need to try very hard to fuck it up, but your potential uh-huh. is absolutely like infinite.
0: Yeah, that, that's the balance, isn't it? I was trying to put myself in the shoes of a CMS creator. Like that balance between you want to, you know, ease of use. You want it to be able to be like useful, not that easy to mess things up, to fuck things up, like you said. And then there's this other audience who's going to use your CMS who needs a lot of customization, who wants to be able to do what they want to do the way they want to do it. Yeah. When you guys at Sanity.io, how do, you, how do you balance those two things? How do you make sure that there's enough customization for the, the veteran people who really know what they're doing while there's enough ease of use for somebody who's still learning. still trying to get better. Um, you said WordPress is like you, you, you really can't mess it up if you're, uh, if you try, but at the same time you can't really do anything great with it. Right. Yeah. So how do you strike that balance?
1: It's all about knowing your customer, right? So the strategy for Sanity for a long time has been community community growth, right? Product-led growth, where we speak to developers. Developers were our target audience, and they can install Sanity on their computer with, like, copy-pasting two lines of code into their terminal. Now, when I tried to install Sanity on my computer, I had to go fetch my fiance who's a developer and we like what is this and i'm i'm copy pasting and nothing happens and then he's like well do you have node.js on your laptop and i'm like i don't know how, how is, <laughs> what is node.js and um, right. so he installed it on my computer we like we got it going um he loves to tell people that i didn't read the documentation which is fair but who has time for that um so in that case, everything around about our marketing and the way that we communicated to users and our product development was very centered around developers. So these are highly technical users who know how to do really good work with the CMS, but could could use this strategic help on saying like, oh, maybe you should think about uh, content modeling this way, or we should be including Canonical um, with these rules around there, we should have hreflang of Lang and it needs to be validated this way mean validation rules for the titles and meta, all of that stuff. But um, it is like it is incredibly flexible, incredibly powerful. And at the time we were talking to this audience, now so, we've pivoted a little bit, right? Um, we are starting to speak more to other audiences. So we're still talking to developers. But we're also talking to digital marketers. We're talking to content creators, because the main pillars that can benefit from using Sanity would be well, any e-commerce, especially e-commerce that's on the um, on the lifestyle side, like beauty, home, lifestyle, wellness, anything in that range can really benefit from an omni-channel strategy, which is facilitated by an e-commerce um, a CMS that's headless because you could easily deploy all of your content to like Instagram shopping, Pinterest. You can enrich your Google merchant feed really, really well and comu- and communicate your, your values in the user experience and do something that's also really relevant for direct to consumer uh, brands because you could buy um, Nike shoes or an iPhone, you could buy an iPhone on Amazon, but it's just like a picture of an iPhone, a blurb description, a buy now button but if you go to the apple store it's a very white space and it's all white and scandinavian looking and you've got these perfectly tidy shelves uh, and you can try all of the products and you can see all of the colors and it is a an experience conducive of the values of the brands um so once like um, a few years ago prada bought well didn't buy like rented a really big space in mm-hmm. Manhattan and and left it empty. <laughs> what flex, right? What yeah. a flex. Yeah. To have these these uh the square footage that's the most expensive in the world and don't even use it to sell, you're just using it for people to chill there. Not like that must have been one of the most expensive yeah. marketing campaigns really? in the what? history of marketing. Um but it is told me about like Be present, um, treat yourself, this lush moment, This it it communicates brand values. But if you go on to their e-commerce, you might as well be on Amazon, right? And when that happens, D2C brands are going to be losing sales, margin, and uh, customer data to the resellers. Um, Yeah, we've, we've got e-commerce platforms, we also speak to marketers because of the way that our content, the way that we enable content velocity um, and the way that marketers are probably going to want to have structured content that allows them to um, well, measure everything better and deploy their content and products omnichannel. And lastly, um, editorial teams really, really love um, headless CMSs because you centralize all of their content. So instead of having to tweak 30 pages every time there's a, pro- a change in your product or your messaging or your tagline, um, you change it in your centralized core database of content and it gets deployed across the board. So you spend a lot less time doing maintenance tasks and a lot more time doing okay. content yeah, creation. You,
0: you mentioned something I wanted to talk about, which is structured content. So that is one of the biggest solutions that you guys provide when I hear structured content, I also think structured data, like those two things come together with me, but you know, kind of help me out with uh, yeah. a quick definition of structured content and how it it can really improve SEO campaigns for people who use it properly.
1: Yeah. So I don't really know that I could give you a fast yeah. um, description of structured content because okay. I don't understand it well enough myself. Um, but I feel like thinking about it and having some conversations about it. And essentially, you mm-hmm. you do content the other way around when you're thinking structured content. So imagine I'm writing a blog post on WordPress, tippity-tappity away on my keyboard, and the content that I see on the back end is exactly what's going to be displayed. And that content's there, only there, tied to that URL exclusively. But if I want to use structured content, I need to take a step back and start thinking about content modeling. (laughs) What on earth is that? Right? So, um, I need to build, I need to identify distinct entities that I'm gonna be working with, right? For example, Apple is gonna be working with iPhones, they're gonna be working with laptops, we're gonna be working with desktops, and they're gonna be working with tablets, right? And and all their accessories and stuff, all the cables that break and then they sell you for $100. but you, you've got these products, so this would be their core entities. Then they have to um, create a schema with all of the properties of all of those products. So we've got product name, year that it was launched, the price, the tagline, the size of the screen, the um, the storage capacity, the, the, the processor, um, all of the images about this content and all of the structured data for product, so you can think for this content, all of that goes into that uh, schema. Then you fill out the schema okay. with the actual content for each of the products. So instead of content name blank, well, uh, product name blank, you've got um, iPhone 13, then iPhone 13 Pro, then iPhone 13 mini. You fill them all out um, and then you decide how that's going to be deployed. So imagine I want to um, yeah I want to make a product page right I talk to my developers and I say hey developer I'd like my product page to have a product name at the very beginning. Then I want an image with our brand colors that has uh, the tagline on it and maybe in the background I want the phone. Um, then I want a, sh- a long description, a story of how we came up with the idea the values that this phone communicates, five more pictures, then the specs, and then a buy button. Then on the buy button, I want you to go to another page where you're going to be able to see all of the specifics, like all the specs and all the options. So storage, color, blah, 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 Um, insurance, and uh, 30 other things with an option to compare stuff. Um, Once this page has been built, Following like pulling from the schema and the content models. I can reproduce this page a thousand times for all of my products with a click and I can maintain all of these pages for all of my products with a click say um, Yeah, say there's an issue with um, There's a typo on the URL right like I've in the folder I've written iPhone instead of iPhone, right? Um, I want to change it for everywhere. I I just edit edit it. Or I've called the template Uh I've used. I've said storage instead of storage. So I just change it on the way that it's going to be displayed. And it changes across the board. And it saves everybody time. Um, And it allows me to focus on something else. And what is next? Well, it might be a campaign on Pinterest. Right, I go on Pinterest and I have all of my products tagged the right way. I've got all of the structure data and all of the JSON markup in there. Um, I just have to let Pinterest pull from it and following the rules that I say. And there you go. You've got a campaign. Now I want to make an app. All I need to do is decide I want the homepage of the app to pull from these entities, these content models. These schemas, and I want the product pages to be instead of that long, like the long versions that I was telling you about, it's just a picture, the specs, buy button that immediately gives you all of the yeah, options to I buy.
0: Love it. uh, so it it's super scalable. World.
1: Yeah. And do that with structured data. So imagine that you've got all of your product structure data that you can apply anywhere, you're making some editorial content. Uh, And you decide you're writing, 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 and you decide, well, now I'm going to be talking about the iPhone. You pull in the product name, you pull in the product picture, you pull in a product summary. Maybe you've got versions one, two, and three to make sure that you are keeping it fresh, or maybe you've got an AI thingy that's creating this version fresh for you. Um, and then you've got, you're incorporating all of your product schema onto that article. So you can get like gorgeous, lovely, rich results you can help Google understand what your page is about and what your products are about. Um, and essentially <laughs> just like... Well,
0: fascinating. Thing. And I, I, Content and velocity, the term that you used before, it makes perfect sense now. I think you're, you could actually go very quickly with really good content as you're using this tool. So, you know, I, I do want to get to a couple of, of things. But first, you, your, your job title is SEO manager at sanity.io. And this is a really interesting job to me. I'm used to working on one website, maybe a handful of websites like you do in an agency. Um, you were kind of in that world for a while, but now you're really looking at a platform with potentially like thousands of sites that are being impacted by changes you make and finding ways to make a platform better for SEO. I recently spoke to Keith Good who has like a similar challenge where he's at. I just can't imagine the show. It's like such a big macro big picture challenge what sorts of things are you spending your time on and how does a typical day in the life look if you if there is one
1: yeah of course there there isn't one yet because i'm i'm quite new to the role and i generally like looking at the way that everybody else is working and how our um systems function i don't think any day is going to be much like the previous one at all um, but a lot of what I do is listening to the SEO community about what their pain points are around um, SEO. And I was telling you earlier, it's really easy to to screw up a headless SEO, um, headless CMS implementation when it comes to SEO. So something that I'm working on is creating some educational guides on how well, not to fuck it up <laughs> essentially so like please remember your canonicals um talk to your developers and don't assume that this is wordpress you're not going to be able to install yoast even though anyone from yoast is listening and they fancy a tech partnership <laughs> they were friends, yeah. um so yeah that that is the kind of thing right like what are the pain points of our users and what could I do to solve them? Sometimes it's education. Sometimes it's going to be product development. Sometimes I can partner with a different product that could help. And um, well, it's a strange role, to be fair. Like, um, if you want to hear the story, and this story, I don't think I've told it uh, publicly before. My actual job title is Senior SEO Manager and SEO Evangelist at Sanity. So I need to evangelize the internal teams on how to build a better product for SEO. And I need to evangelize the SEO community (laughs) on how to not fuck up headless CMS's implementation, right? And like actually benefit from it. Um, I didn't, when I applied to work for Sanity, I applied for the role of principal SEO strategist. And um, I didn't get it. I didn't get the role. I was I was going up against people who have like twenty years of experience in the industry, people who like I've learned from, people who I admire. Um when I I knew the people who had applied because we all gossip, um, and I told like I initially told the recruiter, like, no. Nah. And I was like, I love the product, I love the brand, but there is no point in me trying to go against any of them. Um, but they're la- um, the recruiter was like, oh, sorry, I already sent your CV and they love you. So now you have to have an interview. Um, and then I met my manager and he's like so smart and, and I'm obsessed. And if he's listening to this. I fall. Um, they ended up making the role for me. Like they, they said, we want to hire you. So come join and let's see what what let's we can do them. together. And then they hired one of the super senior people for principal SEO. And they'll, they'll be joining soon. I don't know where this podcast is getting uh, is going live. Um, so probably I yeah, can't see where it is. It'll, it'll be out on Thursday. So it's
0: coming up really quick. so You know, it's interesting. As you're, as you're talking, I'm remembering I was researching yes. you before I got on here. And in a lot of places it talks about your academic background, that you have a background in, in business and psychology. so that made perfect sense that you're an SEO business and psychology, those mixed together. But I wonder how you use that academic background of yours in your career in SEO, is it, is it the way that I would think about how do you use psychology, business, those two concepts and bring them together uh, to, make, to make better SEO decisions?
1: So um, obviously in psychology, you've got some subjects around business psychology, psychology of consumer, psychology of marketing, um, and those are fine, but they're not the, the no. sections that I'm using of my degree. The stuff that I'm using for my degree is essentially psychology to persuasion, um, social psychology, psychology of perception and memory and psychology of motivation right so a combination of this um aspects of psychology are what i what i use to actually like add some extra value be better at communicating internally with my teams um, i was a i was a team manager for a little while and i think my psychology background helped me on that a lot um mm. and understanding the pain points of the users how we're going to motivate them to action, how we're going to persuade them, that we are the right option. um, And how are we going to make sure that we're remembered and how they're going to remember us. So there is a lot of, um, I think the the aspect of psychology for this was, it's called basic psychology, not as in very simple, very easy, but like psychology of perceptions is called basic psychology. And it is something that I absolutely loved when I was in uni. Um, then I got, I did get a degree. I did get a master's degree in business. It was in digital business at a business school in Barcelona. And I have to say, I did not learn very much. I, it's more like a, a something that I can yeah, put on my CV and it sounds really yeah. impressive, like, oh yeah, my master's degree in business, whatever. But um, I, learned. I learned, the most valuable thing I learned there was the ANSOF or ASNOF matrix can't even say that right so it's it's a matrix that defines the growth strategies that a company can have in terms of product and in terms of market so you can stay in your product and your market and that's a penetration um, strategy you can stay in your market and amplify product which is the diversification um, strategy you can keep the same product and open a new market with this internationalization. And then you've got the last one. I don't remember the name, but obviously you're expanding product and market. Um, And looking at those when I was working in international SEO helped me understand like the the, the business stages for each of those growth strategies and why it makes sense for each business to choose each strategy has helped me understand the psychology of leadership when it comes to what they prioritize and what they don't. So it's not, Ugh, they don't care about SEO. They don't care about doing international perfect. Maybe. They're doing international because their returns have plateaued in their core market. And they want to open up a new market, not invest a lot, and just find a new source of revenue, right? Um, so understanding the, the psychology of business leadership is something that has help me be less frustrated when things are not perfect and help me communicate and strategize in a way that's going to be relevant to the business, not just best practice. Cause a perfect SEO strategy, a perfect SEO implementation might be horrible for a business. If it's not relevant to the business.
0: Yeah. Well, so interesting. I love that background. So if I can, I'm going to try and shift quickly to some of the more recent presentations you've been talking about. Uh, and, and then we've been talking about gap analysis. So oh,
1: yeah.
0: Gap analysis for SEO specifically. So, first of all, kudos to you uh, for picking a great topic. I have the hardest time picking topics, and this is a really good one. So I wanted to ask you some questions, and mainly I want to ask you about these super actionable spreadsheets that that you give out to people that people can use. I think free of charge. I'm, I was in there, so I think yeah. everybody else can. So I'm, yeah. I'm not sure we'll have time to get into both of them, but like when I think of gap analysis, my head immediately goes to competitor research mode. Like that's where I start. And we've got to get into that world of our competitors and what's going on there. And to you know where we are compared to the landscape of the competitors. And so you've got this great competitor identification template that as far as I know, you know, like this, this would be the perfect place to start. So it's like exactly kind of how I, my brain goes. Now you've got a, a tool that anybody who's watching this can use so tell our audience about that spreadsheet and ways that they can use it to identify competitors more, more accurately.
1: Yeah, man, I'm really happy that you brought up the, this spreadsheet and know the, not the actual gap analysis spreadsheet because nobody looks at my freaking competitor <laughs> identification spreadsheet. And I think it's really good. <laughs> um, and it's really, really fundamental to get the actual gap analysis done. Right. So thank you. That's really cool. Um, i have found very often that we don't have a clear narrative in businesses of who our competitors are um c level are going to have some aspirational competitors in their head Mm -hmm. that you might never encounter on search um support are going to have some different um ideas of who our competitors are based on our like who our customers are mentioning right sales might have a different idea based on brand and pricing and who they're encountering in sales events or who they're running against on sales pitches. Um, Out of those three sources, the source that's less that's that sits lower in the business hierarchy would be support and they have the best information right Um, because they are more connected to the pain points of the customers and their their journeys. So you have two ways to go about this, right? Like nobody, nobody will agree out of the bat. Anywhere you go, who their competitors are, you're not gonna get the same list. You're not gonna get it ordered in the same way, no matter where you go. Um, and that's fine. Your list is also not gonna be the same as everyone else's. But you can you can share yours to like gain some some buy in from your stakeholders. Um, I would start any competitor research initiative by talking to these three three departments, to these three people and getting some information and like, okay, who are, who are our competitors? You say A, B, C, you say XYZ, i Z, I'm going to make a list and it's going to be a judgment-free list. Um, then I go on any competitor research tool. Um, one that I quite like for this is Cistrix, but while I was at Moscow, I used Moscone to a competitor and I was really impressed, really, really impressed. I don't know how they got to the same results that I got, but that was, yeah, cool. Um, Anyway, go on one of those um, competitor research tools and look at like, what is the level of overlap? Um, Make a mental note of that, because you're gonna use that when you're convincing other departments of who your real competitors are. Um, And then you're gonna go and look at your core keywords. You're gonna like, cluster them by, by groups. Right. So like maybe if you're in e-commerce, you're going to go with product categories, or products in SaaS. For me, it's going to be like um, editorial topics and maybe some product stuff because um, mm-hmm. bottom of the funnel traffic is usually not great. Um, and then I'm going to analyze the top 10 competitors in each of those serves for each of those queries. Sounds really heavy and like, like a really long process, but it's only a few exports and you can put them on the template and there is instructions on the template exactly on what to copy paste and the formulas are already there for you. If you don't mess them up um, and you should be getting for each topic. Who are your top three or four competitors in the topic? Mm-hmm. The fact that this goes down to topic level is going to actually help you create content that outperforms your competitors because mm-hmm. these are the people that you're going head to head on search. But there is one more consideration, right? Like, what does it mean to be a competitor in search? But this is like a really weird example that I've just come up with. But imagine it's I, I live somewhere really hot, and I struggle sleeping because ugh, my bed is hot, and I have a partner by my side, and all ugh. Um, I I can type down um, how to stay cool while I sleep and several different people can pop up, and several different products can pop up. Um, A competitor, a a true search competitor, should be showing up for the same keywords as you, speaking to the same audience as you, and also, they should be removing the need for you. So if if your audience goes with with them, they're solving their audience need, you're done, gone, you don't need to, you're not needed by the audience. Mm -hmm. So I'm Googling around how to stay cool at night. Um, It's definitely not a, not a true um, example, Uh because in here I'm freezing my ass off most of the time. (laughs) Um, And I see a a pillow, a gel pillow that's cooling gel pillow. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy that that. Buy my gel pillow. I'm sleeping with a gel pillow. That's so good. But my body's warm. Um, so I Google again, and I buy a, a gel a mattress topper. Phenomenal, amazing. amazing. I Google again, and now I want a fan. Um, and then I Google again, and there's like really, really cooling sheets. And, and I'm done. I bought from four different merchants, four, four different companies, different stuff that satisfies my needs um, in conjunction with each other. The cooling pillow did not remove the need for the fan. The fun. They've not remove the need for the the cool bed sheets, because even if it's cold, I'm one of those people who's always gonna be like, even if it's warm, up, I always wanna be covered with something. Mm. Um. So would they be my search competitors? Somewhat, but they're not people that I'm trying to obliterate. I could probably co-market with them. Right. right? True. I could I could be in the same list of best products to stay cool while you sleep. I don't need to be on top of them or anything. Yep. So that's what I mean when I say, because that, that one's um, hard to understand sometimes when I say that a competitor, a true search competitor needs to move, needs to satisfy the user's need for you.
0: I see. All right, well, this is this is awesome. I, I think we'll link to both of these spreadsheets, but I do want to be remiss if I didn't mention one other uh, template that you have, which will it's actually the pinned tweet on your on your Twitter right now is the gap analysis template that again anyone can use no charge for this. So this is taking that competitor identification and putting it on steroids and using yeah. some strategy as well. So it starts with benchmarking, and benchmarking yourself relative to these competitors that now you're much more knowledgeable about in three key areas. You know what are people when they when they open up that spreadsheet? What are people liable to find in the gap analysis template and how do you suggest they use it?
1: Right. So, so this template is interesting because um, this is also a story that I've not told before. The reason that I built this template is because I have seen I have seen Spanish Spanish SEO industry hyper focus on technical improvements to, to an over improvement extent that makes no sense when like all the websites are competing to be the fastest. Uh, people are over optimizing whether their internal links are follow or no follow, and I'm gonna write this script for WordPress that makes your footer links no follow whatever that you can do out of the box. It's like if you had spent that time writing good content, you'd be so much further up the the ranks um, so we 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 tend to be biased towards what we can do right um I if I had to pick which of the three areas of SEO is my strongest, I would definitely say it's content. So it is likely that if I'm not doing a gap analysis, I'm going to come onto a new job and start churning out content, left, right, and center, right? Because right. that's what I'm where I'm comfortable. That's what I know how to do, um, and I know that it can drive SEO results. But when you're ranking, you're not ranking alone. You're not like it's not about you. It's about the market. It's about who you're ranking against. It's a zero-sum game. So, you need to do better the younger vendors to rank your competitors. My theory is that if you are already the best at technical, if you have the fastest website, even if you're scoring a 20 on Page Insights, if your competitors are at 15 and they're they not doing anything to fix it, that probably is not your, no, your focus, no, not really right? You could because of your users, because you love your users and you want to make them happy. Um, and also because of the planet, because the, the bigger your website, the bigger your carbon footprint. But um, if you're already the fastest, you're not going to get higher in, in the Google ranks by getting faster. You have to find out when you're not the best at. You can either be average or below average of those things, and action that moves the needle. So the the gap analysis template that I offer does two things, essentially, right? You can use it for two things. As a benchmark of saying, this is where we are in three months, six months, one year later, this is where we are versus our competitors, this is how we've grown. Um, Or you can use it to identify and start diagnosing why you're below average at one pillar or the other. So what this this template showed for me when I did this for Sanity was actually super interesting because we have one of the biggest search volumes for our brand out of our entire market. We're only second to our biggest, biggest, biggest competitor. It's been there for four years longer than we have. And like, they're they're really big, okay? Anyone watching this knows what I'm talking about. And, and, yeah, they, they had um, just a hundred more ser- uh, searches a month than we did, but a lot more branded searches, more branded search traffic. So what is that? Clearly, um, our users don't know us well enough to start refining the queries that they ask about us, or we are not ranking. For those queries, because we're not offering the information. Offering so, if you, the page, SEO, if you Google sanity SEO, you have two the results, that results that are relevant. You've got our homepage, yeah. and you've got a Reddit, yeah. Reddit about doing SEO and sanity. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> I, I need
0: Perfect, to get yeah. on this.
1: I'm, I'm writing a brief, I'm, I'm working on it, but that is a really good example of why we're not having the same amount of. Reddit traffic as our main competitor. Um, but yeah also you, you can look at yeah. that that gap analysis because it, it's in fact the one that's on the brief sorry on the on the template you can see my real actual gap analysis in there um, and understand where, where I am versus my competitors. You can see that we are sort of above average when it comes to web performance optimization we're below well no mid to above average i would say as well for content below average for brand and links so i'd, I'd love to turn out content i feel very confident doing that but that's not what's going to move the needle for the business right now i need to be focusing on earning the, the brand awareness and supporting the work of our content marketing and pr teams to get the brand out in the way that's most effective in the way that's going to earn us links and authority and working on EAT. Not the stuff that I that, that I would gravitate to. All
0: right, well, wonderful. Well, I'm excited to watch you and, and Sanity grow in the, in the next couple of years. It's, uh, it's been wonderful to chat with you. If people want to connect with you or learn more about Sanity, what's your favorite social media? What's the best way to get in touch with you guys?
1: Right. So you can find me on Twitter at m. Um usually that's my handle for every social media. So knock yourself out if you want to see pictures of me traveling in places or, or my wedding. Um, and you can also go to Lydia-Infante.com, which is my website. I often write um, different little blog posts in there. I share podcast appearances and like templates. It's all in there
0: all right well wonderful well if i don't see you uh, beforehand i got married in september it's a wonderful time of year to get married so nice. uh best of luck to you and yes. in, in your beau and uh hope to do this in person sometime for now i'm gonna give you a virtual cheers and i'll Yay. sign off we'll be back next week with another, yep. another episode of southern search thanks a lot lydia
1: thank you